This grinding stone has been passed down from my great, 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 great grandmothers. I really play music for myself to gather my thoughts. They shouldn't be embarrassed of what their culture is. Now, like how we live in our society, we are less connected to our culture, I feel. Indigenous Youth Nation! Welcome to Indigenous Youth Nation! Together, let's celebrate culture and explore ancestral knowledge of the Diné Nation. The Diné, also known as the Navajo Tribe, are from the southwestern area of the United States and are one of the largest indigenous nations in the country. And I am here to teach you how to say hello in Diné language. Usually we just say to each other or just in the morning when it's most beautiful and we try to go into our days with happiness and we'll just have a great mood overall. means hello, good greetings. A day in the life of Dene, also known as Navajo. This is Indigenous Youth Nation. My name is Deji. This is the day in the life of my culture. <laughs> I am Dene, also known as Navajo. So today is the first day of my coming-of-age ceremony. The Kanada is important for my people because it's the coming-of-age ceremony for when a girl becomes a woman. The first day is where you chop wood for the fire, you um, clean up the hogan, and you get the cook shack ready. And you start preparing food for people who come later. It's the first day where you run. The running is a huge part of the Kinada. Every day you run farther and farther, and on the last day you run farther than you ever ran. For the Kinada, you wear a bunch of turquoise necklaces that people put on you, and it's a lot to put on your neck, I guess. It's very heavy to wear. And I wear so many necklaces because people put them on me and because it's a blessing. I have some tools in front of me that will be used in my canada. The tools are the grinding stone, the traditional grass brush, um, a basket, and some corn that I will be grinding with the grinding stone. Me and my Che, which means grandfather in Navajo, planted this corn in the summertime to be prepared for the Kanada. The corn seed has been passed down from my great-grandmothers. You also have to get the corn ready by grinding it and also cleaning it out. 
<laughs> it is kind of hard to grind corn. This grinding stone has been passed down from my great, 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 great grandmothers. Right now I am sweeping the corn with my traditional grass brush to um, level it out to make it easier to grind the corn. You grind it so then you can use it to make cake batter for the traditional earth cake. For roasting the corn, you have to put the corn into a pan and you stir it on top of the fire. Then you grind it where it's basically like flour. Yeah. Now I have finished grinding the corn and it is soft enough for the cake. So now I'm sweeping it into my basket. And then you pour boiling water into the pot. I'm getting ready to run now, and everyone is lining up behind me, and they cannot pass me while I'm running. My family and friends and community run behind me and yell to give me encouragement and strength. A realization I had while running was that my moccasins were too big. <laughs> I ran three times a day. Everyone follows me out of the Hogan after the all-nighter. The all-nighter is a night which is the holy night before the final run. On that night, the medicine man or woman, in my case it was a man, and his singers come into the Hogan, and all your family and friends um, come into the Hogan as well. A Hogan is a traditional house, and we use it for ceremonies and stuff. On that night, um, you sing the whole night. The songs teach you about the history of your culture and about becoming a woman. At the very end of the ceremony, I felt tired from all the work but I was happy because um, I was excited that I was more mature thank you for coming to my Canada this is indigenous youth nation hello I am Bahajoni Today on Indigenous Youth Nation, we are sitting down with a Diné author, Brian Young. Brian Young is an American Indian Youth Literature Award winner. Arizona. Um, that nasha akongi DJ a Brooklyn Dishagon. Brian Yang's powerful debut novel tells of a seemingly ordinary Navajo boy who must save the life of a water monster. I 
had a dream about seven, nine years ago, and this was going to be what turned into Healer of the Water Monster. And in that dream, there was a young boy, and at that time, he was playing with the 3DS in his grandma's mobile home, and he stops playing, and then he runs through a cornfield, and then on the other side of the cornfield is a desert, and in the desert, he meets up with a little lizard, and they start to sing. And just that combination of modern and traditional, like coexisting, complementing each other, was a very powerful image. That image and the idea that I could give a story to young Navajos that showed them that they could be heroes. Those two were my primary driving factors into (laughs) getting this published. The biggest reason why I felt the need to write this book was Ebenina. When I was a young kid, my mom would often drop me off at the library in Gallup while she would do her errands. And so I had a blast just roaming up and down the hallways of books and just grabbing book here grabbing book there but as I started getting older I realized that none of the books I was reading had Navajo characters had Diné characters and a lot of the stuff that was written then about Native Americans was really racist was very very derogatory in terms of how they talked about us, of how they depicted us, and very reductionist. We were always background characters at best or sidekicks. And even then, those white authors would always kind of bundle us up into one group, Native American. It was very, very discouraging as a young person to be so in love with books that had only white characters as their protagonists. And so when I started writing Healer of the Water Monster, and during the seven years it took to get it published, I would often reflect upon that time as a young kid, desperate to find a story that had a main character that was like me, and that there are a lot of the young Navajos who needed to hear that you are important, that needed to hear you can be a hero. And so that kept me going. Just the thought that there are Navajo kids who want to read this book out there. With the people in your life, did you write about them, like specifically in your book? I know for me, um, the Nully in the book reminds me of my Aunt Juanita. And I really liked that I was able to see my family. (laughs) I bet Aunt Juanita is amazing and wonderful and strong and kind, and I hope to meet her. (laughs) Initially, yes, they were heavily based on people around me and in my environment, and actually Uncle Jet was based on me. Now Nathan must summon all his courage to save his new friend. With the help of other Navajo holy beings, Nathan is determined to save the water monster and to support Uncle Jet in healing from his own pain. I got a lot of pushback from agents about the quote-unquote more mature topics in the stories. And I would often tell them, like, this is stuff that I encountered as a young kid. I wanted to validate that that is a common experience for young Navajos to say, yes, this is happening and also to provide a possible avenue of addressing it, of helping those people in their lives who are struggling with alcoholism to seek help. 
Wow. Thank you for writing about like a topic that's like as heavy as those are. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me a part of your radio show. It's been an honor to talk to you and I hope you too write a story. I hope you too um, write your own books. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for your amazing book. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. It, It means a lot to me, honestly. Healer of the Water Monster by Brian Young. Hi, this is Dahi. Come with me to travel through time. What? Travel through time? How? Come on, let's go. You'll never guess where I am. I'm at the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. My people, my tribe, the Navajo, have songs in the archives, and I want to hear their voices and know what they're saying. And I want to bring that information home. If I weren't able to travel here, I probably wouldn't know that this would exist and that some of the forgotten songs have actually been recorded and are in the Library of Congress. We are in the Library of Congress in the hallway next to a gorgeous looking elevator. I was given a catalog of all of the songs that were on the wax cylinders. Okay, I paused it. We can... I hear like... Bzz, yeah, bzz, bzz. Oh wait, I hear something. Oh my god. Wait, this is the Canal Dust songs. So there's this man speaking and he told us that we were in Coal Mine Canyon. That's where my dad lived oh wait okay so in the canal duh remember like the medicine man he's speaking to you and he's like telling you this is the song for corn planting that's what they were singing that was so cool whoa (laughs) okay let's continue listening yeah i don't know it's just it feels really exciting i can't believe i'm hearing them so we steward the materials, first of all, um, and we, and which means we don't own them. We recognize, especially at the Folk Life Center, that the cultural heritage materials we have come from peoples and places. John Fenn is the head of research and programs at the American Folk Life Center. And we're holding on to them to make sure that other people can use them when appropriate and that people have access to cultural heritage. Um, both archival collections and newly developed collections and materials. So it's important, again, for both the preservation and the access perspectives, so that people like yourself, you know, youth, can come and hear these songs or these stories of these materials and engage with them in creative and intellectual ways. And I have a connection to Coal Mine Canyon because it's where my dad lived. Yes. That was really cool. That's awesome. I really felt like... John Fenn's work at the Library of Congress gave other people a perspective of my culture and, like, the songs we sing and traditions we have. I want to thank John Fenn, head of research and programs. 
at the American Folklife Center in Washington, D.C. That was really cool. Like, it was so cool to hear the songs, like, of Kanata and Hazrat Like, I got really excited, like, once I heard them and I recognized it. I was just like, oh my god, this is so exciting. So, now, like, how we live in our society, we are less connected to our culture, I feel. And so, like, I feel like if other youth were to come here and listen to songs and things from their tribe, it would, like, really give them a sense of connection and, like, I think it would be a cool experience for them because they would be able to learn more about their roots and, like, where they came from. I don't know, what was amazing to me was, like, all of the songs and, like, all of the songs were still the same. Like, the ones that I learn now, people were learning and singing in, like, the 1940s. And, I don't know, I felt, like, more connected to my tribe and my ancestors. Indigenous Youth Nation! I am here on Indigenous Youth Nation with Sage Bond. Um, would you like to tell us about the song that is playing? Yeah, I wrote Prisoner back in, uh, uh, before my album was released in 2018. It became uh, the title track of my my first uh, LP release. I've been here before, got you way into my core, you know. The craziness you live isn't too years too long. You and me on a date of Nazareth. during a time of depression and anxiety and trying to get through uh, mental health battles and struggles that I um, I really relied on my music to help me get out of that rut. Can you tell me about how you started out playing guitar? I started playing guitar when I was nine years old. Um, my mom sings and my dad played guitar, so I grew up around a lot of music. My grandpa loved Elvis and he wanted to be Elvis. <laughs> I, I started playing like thrash metal songs like Metallica and Megadeth and 
trying my best to noodle around and I came home after school every day and just practiced and um, later on I joined a country band when I was 13 which is the total opposite of metal but um, that helped me get used to being on stage and helped me learn like actual guitar chords which I could later apply to my solo stuff. What really inspires you as an artist? Well, I write a lot from experience about things that I've been through, struggles I've been through as, uh, I went through a lot when I was uh, a teenager, like with my dad being an alcoholic and he left. And um, it was hard because he was the one that first taught me how to play guitar. And I did didn't want that to affect my, his alcoholism to affect my family anymore. And uh, I really wanted to be like a better role model for my younger brother. And um, so trying to always have like a, I guess a positive message. I really play music for myself to um, gather my thoughts because sometimes it's very scrambled (laughs) in my head. And I, I try to gather all my thoughts and try to make sense of things and uh, putting it down on like a notebook, putting it into my guitar really helps. And then being able to share that message with people is, uh, I guess, the the end goal is really worth it. I think that's a really cool message. Thank you. What advice do you have for younger musicians and songwriters? I mean, don't stop playing. <laughs> don't ever let anyone try to put you down, bring you down to their level. You just keep playing. Thank you for joining us today on Indigenous Youth Nation. Oh, yeah, thank you. Biligana Nishli, Totsutni Bashistin, Biligana Dashiche, Kintlichitni Dashinale. I just want other people around the world to know that like they shouldn't be embarrassed of what their culture is and like the ways that their elders were teaching them and that they're not alone and they should like they should just take it in and try to learn their culture as best as they can. Not much people follow our culture anymore. And it would be great if um, we could just get on that track again and have a lot more people who can speak and follow our ways. This is Elder's Wisdom. My name is John Spinelli. My first name was long time ago. was Dane Beget. I'm Toditini, Bitterwater, and Unequal People Plan. I was born in Hogan. I went to school just a few years to learn to uh, the English. I really don't know how old I am. It's uh, maybe oh, just about over 90 around this underwear. I don't feel like very old. Young honey, My family taught me son and teach me my grandfather's medicine man we doing the same painting and then seeing the son and then working I was five years old 
in herding the sheep, was herding the sheep all day. That time was our transportation was the donkey and the horses. Later on, they had the wagon. And then later on, my, my grandfather bought the truck. My mother's side said, they had to do it like this and like that. And then to learn more and more, you get bigger and be stronger. And then you do things more better and going to be a lot easier for you becoming what you what you going to be. Be a man and uh, how we respect the other people. That's what you have to learn. And then something that the right way, like not to drink, you know, or steal and not supposed to do that, says you have to learn how you stand your own two feet with other people and uh, work with them. Because if I don't learn it, I had to do it myself. Now, everything's changed. It's not like it used to be. Even if we have a car now, we hauling the stuff. We need something to carry on like this. This is not for fun, for our family. They teach our kids or grandkids to carry on to live on the earth. Now, to go up in technology, modern way, we're going that way. Kind of like they forget themselves, really what they are. Then you educate. You use it both ways because getting too far the new modern way. So you learn both ways because we belong to the earth. That's most important. My mother taught me how to take care of the animals, how to live in this world. We had to carry on our cultures. That's most important. Remember who we are. That's most important. Our life to carry on is more important. Some people ask me, who you live in? You live in two worlds. I said, make it one. If you make two worlds, where's the other one? You're confused. This is one world. Don't forget who you are. The most important, your life. What you are is what you are. Way back in the beginning, all the people, native people here in this country, this world, they're all brother and sister in the beginning. We still carry on traditional way. What we carry on, son and pray and for pray for us, for this world, for hope, for our people on this world. We would like to thank Jones Benali for being on Indigenous Youth Nation. Indigenous Youth Nation was created by executive producer Janita Benali. The program was edited and mixed at Radio Camp by senior producer Greg McVicker. Our awesome youth team of hosts, editors, and overall coolness quality control were Ashki, Tyler, Dahi, Bahia, Deji, Bahajoni, Mia Dove, and Gowani Hatla. 
Original theme music by Seahawson. Project sponsor, Amanda Eichstad of KWMR. And thanks to Peggy Berryhill of the Native Media Resource Center. Major support was provided by a grant from the Joan Gans Cooney Center at Sesame Workshop. With additional support from the American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress. Big thanks to our guests, Brian Young, John Fenn, Sage Bond, and Joan Spinelli. And thank you for listening. We want to hear your feedback. This is episode number one. Want to be featured in a future show? Find us at indigenousyouthnation.com. This is Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. <laughs>